The following message is by Pastor Andrew Beto, pastor of First Baptist Church of Orchard, Texas. More information on First Baptist Church Orchard can be found at fbcorchard.com. I'm a big fan of memes. For those of you who are older than 30, a meme is a picture with a caption. And, and it's, one of, it's this very uh, millennial-esque art form. It is, it is an entire joke, an entire story that is captured in a, in a meaningful picture with an ironic or interesting quote that's on it. And there, some of them are, are dumb, some of them are, are just touching and heartwarming, and some of them are deeply, deeply hilarious. One of, one of my favorite memes that I've ever seen is a picture of Winnie the Pooh and Piglet, right? And they're walking down this path. And the caption reads, Pooh, semicolon, so this is Pooh speaking, Piglet, what is good in life? And Piglet's response is to crush your enemies and watch them flee before you while you listen to the lamentations of their women. (laughs) That's right. That's a Conan the Barbarian quote that Piglet's speaking. And, and when I saw that for the first time, I almost, I almost wept because the incongruity of Piglet saying that, and it's like, what is this? What's going on there? And, but when you think about it, it seems so alien, but, it, but it's really not. Because whether, whether we like it or not, that is the spirit of the age that we live in. That is the, the spirit of fallen humanity. What is great in life? Success, crushing your opponents, right? Having them know that you've crushed them. Don't lie. You like that. You know, that person that is your opponent, that person that, that you really don't like, you, you like. You like watching them be crushed. You like watching them fail. You like it when bad things happen to bad people. You know the guy who's in his Camaro and he like pulls up behind you when you're doing 75 on the freeway and like blinks his lights at you and then like speeds around you doing 90 and you come over the hill and he got pulled over by the Texas State Trooper. Don't pretend that you're not glorying in his misfortune. The Germans have a word for that. It's called Sangfreud and it's the unwholesome glee that you have at another's downfall. We all love the idea of our opponents being crushed. We love glory. We worship success. And so this morning, Jesus is going to talk about what success in the kingdom of God looks like. And what we're going to see is that success in the kingdom of God is, in, is alien to what our conception of success is. So if you guys would turn with me to chapter 18 in the Gospel of Matthew, we're going to be starting at verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a child to himself and set him before them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whenever Jesus says, truly I tell you, 
This means that he is about to lay out one of these principles of the kingdom. And one of these principles of the kingdom that he's going to try to get across to the disciples over and over and over again is that humility is a key virtue in the kingdom. Humility is key to the entrance to the kingdom of God. So his disciples are coming up to him, and, 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 and part of this is an outgrowth of what's been happening, right? We've been learning about what's been happening in the Gospel of Matthew. In the Gospel of Matthew, he spent the first half of the book trying to convince everybody that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of David, the Son of God, right? He did miraculous things. He did healings. He taught, did all these amazing things. The disciples have bought into it. They believe it. They drank the Kool-Aid. They hit the I believe button. They're there. They're with him. They're about to go down to Jerusalem and watch him get crucified, Okay, so now in the second part of the book, we're going to look at what is the outgrowth of this? What, is the con what are the consequences of believing that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of David, the Son of God? And now what are, what are the outgrowth of the consequences of the fact that Jesus is going to go down and die? So they're like, okay, you're going to go down to Jerusalem. You're going to die on a cross. This is going to happen. We've tried to stop you. You've told us that we're Satan. We can't stop you, so we get it. You're, you're going to go down. This is going to happen. So who's going to lead us next? What, 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 is it, what does it take to be the leader? What, what do we have to do to be successful? Right? This is a very American question, right? What do I need to do to be successful? I mean, oftentimes, I, I, as many of you know, I've had many different careers, okay? I've kind of wandered around and done many different things. And in every one of those professions, I have asked the question, what do I need to do to be successful here? In essence, asking your boss, how do I take your job? How do I do what you do? How do I make the good money, the big money? How am I successful here? And so this isn't a weird question to ask Jesus. Ask Jesus, what does it take to be great in the kingdom of God? If, we, if this is the kingdom of God, how do we be great here? How do we succeed here? How do we do what is necessary to be measured and graded well? That's a normal human question. The response, though, is really strange. See, Jesus takes a child, a little child, and he puts them in the midst of the disciples and says, if you are to enter the kingdom of God, you must be like this. Now, I want to, I want to make sure that we are imagining the right thing in our mind here, because often when we think of Jesus with the children, we have the flannel graph pictures or the, those, those pictures that are up on the Sunday school rooms when we, were, when we were growing up, you know, and they're like really like nice and everybody's clean and there's Jesus and he's the, the hip. He looks like, like, uh, he, he looks like Nick Holub, you know, with the long hair and the white and he's just sitting there and all the disciples there, everybody's clean, everybody's white and they've got like, we have this little, this clean little child that's sitting there beatifically, and we're like, well, of course, that's who Jesus wants us to be, an innocent little child, of course. But if anybody here has ever been to the Middle East or any other developing country, you know that children are not seen as innocent little angels that everyone loves. The child that Jesus would have picked up and put in their midst would have been a grubby, dirty little child. A little urchin. Somebody who steals and throws rocks and does bad things. Somebody who is viewed at, by the community at large at best 
as just a non-entity and at worst something that is less than human. This is not about us embracing some kind of idyllic innocence and far more about being humble, being the last and the least. See, children were not well conceived in that community. People loved their own children, but so often the children would run around in gangs and get up to mischief. I mean, I, I can remember being in a culture like that where you would have these kids and they'd surround you and, it, and at best they were trying to beg money from you and if you didn't give them the money, they'd throw rocks at you. And I'm not talking like pebbles, I'm talking about like a brick. Okay? So Jesus picks up one of these grubby little urchins. The kid may not have even had clothes on, just running around naked, going to the bathroom wherever they want to. He picked this kid up and put him in the middle and said, you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven? Be this. Be the last. Be the least. Be the smallest. Understand who you are. And he's not talking about greatness right now. He's talking about entrance into the kingdom of God. They're like, well, how do we be great in the kingdom of God? No, 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 no. Let's not talk about greatness. Let's talk about how you even get in. You want to get in? Be like this. See, humility is not pretending to be something you are not. The reality here is not that you have to pretend to be like the grubby little child who's in the midst of everybody else, who is the last, the lowest, and the least. You're not pretending to be like that. What you're doing is you are understanding that that is actually who you are. You are not a special flower. You are not a wonderful snowflake. You're a sinner. That's who we are. And I know that goes against the message that our culture has taught us from the time that we were itty-bitty. Right? That, that inside of you is this good person, and that if you just leave it alone, it'll come out and be awesome. I hate to tell you this, but it's just not true. And you know it. You know you're not a good person on the inside. You know what your desires are. And you know that they're not for good. You know that when somebody cuts you off in traffic, if you could flip their car over, you would. So often the evil in our heart is not mitigated by our own sense of goodness, but by our lack of power. That's why when you give a person total power, they're generally a really bad person. Limitations on our freedom are good things because they keep us from doing the bad things that we all really want to do. It takes humility to accept this and understand this. And guys, the gateway to the kingdom of heaven is the humility to accept the fact that you are a sinner from your mother's womb. That there is nothing redeeming about you. That there is nothing that makes you righteous in the eyes of God. That all men sin and fall short of the glory of God. Not, not all men except you. Not all men that, except those that look like you. Except Not all men except those who look and smell like you. No, no, no. All men, including you, are sinners who are deserving of hell. 
That's the reality. Humility is not pretending to be somebody you're not. It's accepting that reality about who you are. Because until you accept that reality, you cannot truly accept Christ. Until you feel inside the burn of your own sin, of your own desires, until you can express, like Paul did, a wretched man that I am, that which I long to do, I cannot do, and that which I hate doing, that is what I do. Who will save me from this body of sin? Until you feel that inside burning, you're not ready to enter the kingdom of God. Until you know that all of the righteous works that you do are like filthy rags. Until you know that. Until you've tried over and over and over again to be good in your own way and seen it fail every single time. You're not ready to enter the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God can only be entered through the humility that comes from brokenness. That's what Jesus is talking about here. You can't be great in the kingdom of God if you've not entered the kingdom. And kingdom and humility is the key to entering the kingdom of God. But see, humility isn't just the key to enter the door. It's not like, oh, hey, I'm going to get in there. I'm going to be humble. Then I'm going to get into the kingdom of God. And that's when I'm going to be a rock star. Once I get into the kingdom of God, then you're going to know who I am because I'm a good dude. I am. I'm a, I'm a neat guy. I'm a delight. People like me. I'm hilarious. And humble too, right? So many of us have that attitude like, well, I'll just get in here and then I'm going to excel at this and then I'm going to build up. I'm going to build up this, 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 this hierarchy and I'm going to know I'm better than this guy, but I'm not as good as that guy. So I'm going to get better than this guy so that I can be on top. You tell me what I need to do and then I'll do those things. So I need to not do this list of certain things. Okay, I'll, do, I'll check those off. And then I need to do these other things over here. Like I need to, I need to read my Bible every day. I need to pray. I need to go on mission trips. I need to do these. I need to vote Republican and donate money to these different parties. And I'll do these different things. And when I do these things, I'll be a good person. I'll be better than you. And I can look down on you. And I won't be quite as good as Billy Graham, but then again, who is? Right? And that's what we try to do. But if you're trying to do that, you haven't grasped the concept yet. See, humility is the key to entrance to the kingdom of God, and humility is the key to greatness in the kingdom of God. So continue with me in verse 4. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Right? So I want you to hear that. He's saying, you need to humble yourself like this child. You need to be like this child. You need to understand who you are in Christ like this child to enter the kingdom of God. But if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you need to be humble like this child is. You need to understand who you are and you need to act in a way that is in accordance with that. See, Jesus tells the disciples that if you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven, they must humble themselves like little children. To be great in the kingdom of heaven, you have to be humble and you have to stay humble. The, the kingdom of heaven is not like the world who honors those who honor themselves. We live in a swagger culture, right? I mean, the, the statistics are astounding. It's like 40% of American boys exhibit mastery in math. 90% of American boys say that they are experts in math. Makes sense, right? 
Because we live in a swagger culture. We live in a culture where if, if you're not, you're going to fake it till you make it. Right? You're gonna, if you don't have it, you're going to pretend like you have it. You're going to throw it out there because you are how you are perceived. So you're going to swagger. You've got to get that swagger. Right? Colton knows. He's got that swagger anyway, man. He's... You're gonna get, you, you, if you got it, flaunt it. You take, pull your shirt up, take selfies of your abs and all that, right? If I, if I had abs, I'd take pictures of them. I mean, I do have abs. They're just underneath all this. But they're there. That is not what the kingdom of God is. That's not how the kingdom of God works. We have to maintain our humility, and we maintain our humility by truly understanding who we are and reminding ourselves of who we are. Right? You were bought at a price. You don't belong to yourself anymore. Like, like, I want you to think about this. If you're saved, you were so bad that God had to send his son to die on a cross for you. You were purchased out of death by the death of an innocent person. That's your identity. You are not your own. You bought at a price. And so you have to follow the example of the one that bought you. So what's the example that Jesus Christ gives us? Right? We hear about it in Philippians. Right? Jesus, who being God, did not think equality with God was something to be grasped, but instead came to earth in the role of a servant. And was obedient to death, even death on a cross. I want you to think about that. This is God. Incarnate. The unity of perfections. The great I am. The moving force that moved over the depth of chaos at the beginning of the time. The force that upholds all things and by whom all things are made. Comes to earth as a first century peasant in a conquered people and is born in a barn. I mean, we got people in this country who think it's beneath them to work at McDonald's when they have no workable skills. And now you have the master of the universe who has come as a peasant, who has come as a peasant and goes and submits to being killed on a cross. That's the example of the one that bought you. You're not better than the one that bought you. So stop the swagger. Stop pretending that you are something that you are not. We must be humble because it is an act of honesty. Humility is not depression. It's not lack of self-esteem. It is a proper understanding of who you are. We live in a culture that is addicted to self-esteem. This idea that, hey, you know, you're, you're awesome. You need to tell yourself awesome. Guys, sometimes low self-esteem is accurate self-perception. Sometimes it's not low self-esteem. Sometimes it's actually understanding who you are. You are a sinner saved by grace. That's what defines you. Not your money, not your power, not your looks, not any of the things that we use to differentiate ourselves from the people around us. You are no better and no worse than anybody around you. And I want you to understand what this means. Could somebody turn the AC down there? Because it is, it's hot. Maybe it's because I'm moving. It's kind of hot. Okay. Hey, Ginger. So let's understand this. You are no better and no worse than anybody around you. You are no better than anyone around you because your sins make you infinitely deserving of hell. Right? Everybody here. 
You're all on the same playing field. You are no worse than anybody else because you can be bought by the blood of Christ. If you become a Christian, if you are saved, then you are covered by blood that is infinitely pure. You are not special because you are unique. You are special because God loves you. You are special because you were bought at a price. You are special because you have received the gift of grace from God. That's the only specialness that matters. Because it is the only specialness that is eternal. Everything else fades. Youth fades. Looks fade. In my case, they faded early. Sometimes they fade late. But looks, looks fade. Money gets spent. Everything is like a breath of wind. Greatness in the kingdom doesn't come from striving or seeking, but by humbly accepting who you are in Christ. Humility is key to entering the kingdom of God. Humility is key to greatness in the kingdom of God. And humility is key to fellowship in the kingdom of God. We see that next here. Where it says, And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. See, we honor God. We accept who we are when we care for those who are humble. When we care for those who have less than us. When we care for those who have a lower status than us. Now, he uses the example of caring for children here. And, I, and those of you who are parents know exactly what, what I mean by this. There is a humility that comes in serving a child. When it's 3 o'clock in the morning and you have to go help children go to the bathroom or change diapers or wipe butts, it's a very humbling thing. Nobody cares who you are. You can have a PhD and you're still changing diapers. There is something incredibly leveling by that. I had a, I had a cousin who asked me once, he said, what's having children like? I said, having children is literally one of the hardest, most jarring things that you will ever do and it's not because children are bad it's because you don't know how selfish you are until you have a child who does not care who you are whose needs trump anything out there that is a humbling experience and the more children you have the more humbled you will be or jim gaffigan said once he said you want to know what it's like to have five children imagine that you're drowning and somebody hands you a baby right Kids are hard. Jesus used this example for a reason. It's not like kids have gotten harder. Kids are hard. Kids are humbling. But, it, but, the, but the example is much deeper than this. Because you see, young Christians are like children too. Right? We all enter the kingdom of heaven humble and broken. And we all acknowledge that we are humble and broken. And then for some reason, when other humble and broken people come into the church, we're like, man, I don't want anything to do with you. You're messed up. Like, are you kidding me? Like, you're not messed up? Well, he's got a face tattoo. Okay. So what? You're proud and mean. 
Children are a metaphor for the spiritually young. He's not just speaking about children. He's speaking about all who are young in the faith. And what is he saying? He says, welcome them. If you welcome them, it's like you're welcoming me. Right? In another place in Scripture, he's very clear about this. If you don't welcome people like that, then on the day of judgment, he's going to say, go away from me, evildoer. I don't know you. He's serious about this. He is serious about the fact that we are to welcome those who are humble and broken. In humility, we are not to think ourselves better than our brothers or our sisters in Christ. In humility, we are not to think that somehow our sins are not as bad as their sins. They're like, oh, hey, you know, I'm super proud and I, and I take advantage of people and I victimize people, but I'm not as bad as a transvestite. That guy's messed up, brother. His soul is dark, dark. Not like me. I'm awesome. In humility... We know that our souls are just as dark and that but for the light of Christ, we would go to the same place. Acceptance of the humble is critical, is a critical component of our humanity. If you are truly humble, if you really believe that your worth comes from your identity as a child of God, if you really believe that all your acts of righteousness are filthy rags, then you will not have a problem associating with those that don't look like you or smell like you or have as much money as you. People whose views are different from you. A loving acceptance of children and young Christians of the the last and the least is not a luxury in the kingdom, guys. It is a necessity. It is a defining characteristic of who you are. See, the, in the kingdom of God, the path to greatness leads through humility. It means knowing and accepting that you're a sinner. It means accepting that you're not better than the people around you. It means accepting all people in to the body of Christ. To be great in the kingdom, you must get humble. You must know and accept who you are in Christ Jesus. And so I'm going to ask you this this morning. Do you really, do you really believe that you're a sinner saved by grace? Or do you think that you're a Christian because your parents were? Like, is it really your faith? Or is it a faith that somebody else gave you? Did somebody drag you to church? Did somebody make you do this? Is it something that you thought would make you a good person? Do you really believe that you are a sinner and but for the grace of God, you would spend an eternity away from him? Do you really see your good works as filthy rags? Or do you really think you're feather in your nest? Do you really believe that Christ is the only ones, is the only payment for sin? Or do you think that it's Christ plus the good stuff you've done? I can't answer those questions for you. Those questions should haunt you. If you are unsettled, that's good. It's intentional. I meant to do that. I want you to go home and wrestle with that. Every Christian should wrestle with those questions. Every, every Christian should ask themselves the question, why am I here? Because it's literally the most important question you can ever ask yourself. 
See, to be great in the kingdom of heaven, you have to get humble. But to be great in the kingdom of heaven, you have to stay humble as well. Humility is something that requires constant work. See, every single person inside of us has a proud, green-eyed monster inside of them that desperately wants out. There's this dark, blackened nature that is crying to get out, this sin nature that roars in the darkness and the, the depths of the night as we lay in bed. It's that voice in our head that tells us that we're better than somebody else, that we're not living up to our potential by following God's plan. It's that voice inside of us when we get into a fight with somebody that says that the other person is wrong, that we're right. You don't become humble by faking humility. You become humble by readdressing who you are in Christ over and over again. You stay humble by reminding yourself of that which Paul spoke, that you cannot do the things that you should do, and that you are driven to do those things that you hate. And that, but by the grace of God, you would fall. True humility will be worked out in the world that you live in. It's not something that you just do in private, that you compartmentalize and put off to the side. True humility comes out in the workplace. Are you the kind of person that certain jobs are beneath them? Let me be honest. You have to tell me. You know. Somebody comes and tells you you need to move a bunch of stuff from here to there, and you say, I'm a manager. I don't need to be doing this. I'm a grown man. I don't need to clean out the fry trap. Are you kidding me? I'm a grown man. I'm a grown woman. That job is beneath me. Students, do you respect your teachers? I mean, really, do you respect your teacher? Or do you make fun of them when they turn their back? What if they deserve to be made fun of? You make fun of them, or do you respect them? Because they're a person that's put an authority over you. Married people, do you treat the other person's point of view as if it has value, or do you roll your eyes and deep down you know that they're wrong? You're just going to give it to them, right? I'll give you this one. You're wrong, but I'm a bigger person, so I'm just going to give you this one. You know what the number one sign that a couple's going to get divorced is? Rolling eyes in a fight. There's a guy, really well-known marriage counselor, and he watched couples that fought, and he could predict with 90% accuracy who was going to get divorced and who wasn't. It was the couples that would roll their eyes, because rolled eyes are a sign of contempt. It's not I'm angry at you, or I don't... I don't like you. It's your opinions are beneath me. <coughs> diagnosis, right? Where we don't argue, right? We don't, we don't fight about an issue. We diagnose the other person. Well, you think that because you're crazy. <laughs> are you humble? Better get humble. You better stay humble. Guys that aren't married, get humble quick. Do you value emotions that you don't understand or don't agree with? 
Guys, when your wife is mad, do you write it off as she's crazy? Or do you try to understand the emotions that are there? See, to be great in the kingdom of heaven, you have to be humble. You have to stay humble. And in humility, you must welcome other humble sinners into community with you. That's one of the hardest things as a Christian, isn't it? To deal with other sinners. It's really easy for God to deal with your own sins. Man, somebody else sins against you. You're the last one to show them grace. Yeah. Guys, you got to get humble. You got to stay humble. And you got to show humility to the people around you. Because that's what Christ did. And are we not like Christ? Or should we not try to be like Christ? Before you can do any of this, though, you have to have the Holy Spirit in your life. This is not something that comes through the power of the human will. You can try and try and try, and you will die tired. So if you do not have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, if you have never given your life to Christ, if you have never gotten humble before God at the foot of the cross and said, God, I cannot do this anymore, please help me. If you have never done that, you have to do that. That is a point you have to come to. That is a place that we can help you get to. We can tell you how to get there. We can show you what the path looks like. But nobody can make the decision for you except you. In a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. If you feel the Lord moving in your life, drawing you towards this, come forward and talk to us. But I don't want to. It's going to be embarrassing. Who cares? There's lots of embarrassing stuff in life. Everybody here has been embarrassed like that. Nobody's going to laugh at you. We're all going to be super excited about it. If you don't want to, come and talk to me after the service. That's my job. It's what I do here. If you do not have a community that you are growing in, that you are a part of, you need to find one. Because you can't live the Christian life alone. I'd love for you to join our church, but this may not be the right church for you. You need to find a place where you can live with other broken sinners. They'll keep you humble. Trust me. I know. But regardless of what you do, you need to act. You need to make a decision. See, please bow your heads with me. Dear sweet Jesus, God, I ask that you would be with us this morning, that if there are people here who don't know you, God, if there are lost people who are trying to make it on their own, who are seeking greatness and the attempt to crush their enemies, that you would show them who they truly are. And that you would help them to become humble enough to be able to accept the free gift that you offer. God, we beg with everything we have that you would do that this morning. Lord, we ask these things in your holy name. Amen.